Welcome to Wednesday Comics. To my right, AP18 himself. That's the Alex Pastral. How you doing? Hello, everybody. And across from me, the GW himself, Garrett. Hello, hello. How you doing? I'm doing good. Wednesday Comics Podcast. My name is Marvin. We are here to tell you about the comics coming out for 3-4-2020, but also let you know about some books that came out last week that we will be reviewing for those books. Uh, two of them X-Men, one of them Batman, two of them Batman. Two Batman. Two Batman, two, two X-Men. Two X. Uh, but first, as we always do, we'll talk about this week's uh, comic books. Uh March is here, baby. And you know what they say, right? March Madness. You can look a lion? I look a lamb. You can only hope, but you know mm. it's going to come in as a lamb and hey. leave like a lion. Mm. Hey. Yeah. On the 15th? Just be aware. Uh, birthright number 42. Uh, Josh Wilson and Andrea Bresson as war wages across Earth. A long-lost ally returns to Mikey's side. Hal, what do you think? I am very intrigued to see who's showing up. If it's the uh, the big guy behind Mikey there, it's going to be good. And yet I'm curious to know why is he there? We haven't seen him in so many issues other than flashbacks. Uh, it's going to be good. I actually just caught up on issue 40. Shit's hitting the fan. Blood is everywhere. War is coming. It's going to be, oh my God, this book is so good. Uh, boys, catch up on it. Farmhand, number 19, that is 14. Rob Gilfrey. That's what I said. You said 19. Did I? Mm-hmm. Uh, was Farmhand number 14, Rob Guillory, Rob Guillory. Uh, Jedediah panics as the truth of Jedediah's seed begins to sprout. Garrett? Um, this is turning into The Walking Dead almost, except green things. Um, this book, it's the second to last issue of the third volume. Um, I don't know. It's, it's been two months since we've had the last issue, so I'm... A little, it's a little gray of what I remember, but I remember that the green was sprouting all over the place. Get it? See what I did there? I remember it's good. It's like good. That's, that's the only thing is that this book is has always been good from issue one. Uh, actually, Zeke's wife looks like uh, poison ivy almost. Yeah, the way that the greens around her, her arms and stuff. Maybe this has been a poison ivy origin book the whole time. Holy shit! But her name isn't Pamela. Not yet. Batman. Mercy number one, that is Mirka and Dolfo series premiere. When the placid mining village of Woodworld is disturbed by a series of brutal murders, the settlement is in turmoil as the first snow covers the chaos in a white blanket. A mysterious woman in black arrives, eliciting a totally different kind of unrest. But who is Lady Helline really? And what's her secret agenda? Acclaimed unnatural creator Marco Marca Andolfo presents a sensual Victorian Gothic horror about otherness, damnation, redemption, and what it means to be a monster in a horror tale perfect for the fans of Penny Dreadful, Crimson Peak, The Alienist, Parasol, Protectorite, and Dark Shadows. Uh, visit GoMercy.me for additional Mercy bonus content, including exclusive art, a live-action comic trailer, and a supplement story material. Alex, you get this book? I am going to get this book. I have not seen any of those shows. You remember we talked about it concerns us, uh, or at least me, when they say that a book is like something. Yeah. This book's like six-somethings. I think for the fact that I haven't <laughs> seen those six-somethings, that makes this where I'm like, eh. I can go into it knowing that I like the writer slash artist. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I enjoyed Unnatural from the same team. I mean, the same person, unless they're twins, which like uh, Murphy. Gordon Murphy, of course. Anyway, I I am personally excited. I think it's only a six-issue run, but the thing is that it doesn't show me that it's six issues, so who knows? I could have been wrong, or much like, uh, what, Something's Killing the Children, or Once in Future, everything's getting their uh, series premiere, not just Once in Future got issues. it uh-huh. extended? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. No, I was about to read it, and I thought it was done. So, so we want good comics, and then the good ones always end, so we were just like, give us more. Which is, I mean, I like I like that Dan Moore is going to have more stuff to do. I like that's Kieran Gillen, right? Yeah. Is yep. the name. Great writer, great team. I'm excited for that book. But I'm also like, if you had a story to tell, unless you're going to do a really great job, don't extend it. Yeah. Unless you have a great idea. coming, And I think they do. I'm guessing it's going to be the character I think is going to go on to do monster hunting, which is exciting. I had a question for you. Yeah. I was, reading, uh, I was looking at the next comic, so I, I kind of dipped out of... Uh, uh, listening to what you were saying for a brief second, and I heard the word Murphy. Are you talking about Robocop? No. No. Outer Darkness 2, number one of three, John Lehman, Rob Guillory, and Afu Chan. Uh, series premiere, the greatest crossover ever. Tony Chu is a modern-day cop who gets psychic impression for one he eats. Joshua Rigg is a 28th century starship captain who flies through an outer space filled with demons, monsters, and ghosts. Sounds like a perfect recipe for a comic crossover, don't it? Well, be careful what you wish for, because Chu slash Outer Darkness is warping your way, bringing together the reunited, multi-multiple Eisner Award-winning Chu team, writer John Lehman and artist Rob Guillory, with Outer Darkness's regular resident, Artist genius Afu Chan. So there you go, little Chew and Outer Dark. What the heck? Okay, I may actually get. I already got number one cover, but I might have to get the second cover because you got Gilroy doing cover B, and Afu Chan is doing the cover one. But they're making parodies of Chew number one and Outer Darkness number one. Gotta well, for that. shit. I do see that, and while you're uh investigating that alex uh chu fantastic book mm-hmm. and then a couple of years ago more than that probably actually uh three four years four, i'm guessing four uh was supposed to be made into a showtime show never got took out never took off uh and then i believe also they were looking to make an animated uh more adult kind of cartoon and that never took off either so i mean not everything's got to be a show that's usually my bitch. I don't need. Not everything needs, needs to be a movie. Not everything needs to be a TV show. Some things just need to stay. That would have been good, though. I think. I mean, I'm not saying not everything needs to be a show, but that would have been and like animated. If they made an animated show, yes. would, it would have worked. I was gonna say animated TV show. I would have been fine with. If you're doing a live action show. No, it wouldn't. Have it would. Been, when it you got that giant lion taking a shit in the litter box. And what are you gonna do when uh, Secret Agent Polio comes out? You gonna have a chicken? You know what? The WWF would be there being like, um, that rooster was experimented on. Hmm. And I'm talking about the World Wrestling Federation. <laughs> <laughs> Team of Legends number 22. This is IDW. Uh, Gary Coulson and Frank Fosco on the cover here. I see uh, what looks to be Raphael, but uh, looks like also he's a pirate. So, Alex, what is this? Uh, so, what you're looking at is uh, Pimico fighting Raphael. She has challenged him to be the head of the Foot Clan. She wants to be the Shredder, which actually Raphael right now is the Shredder. 
Uh, it's good. Honestly, I got caught up on this a couple days ago. Oof. Shit is hitting the fan. They literally just killed a whole shitload of Triceratons. And if this is number 22, there is four issues left from what I understand. It ended at 23. In the original run, there's going to be three more issues to follow to wrap it all up. Uh, it's it's good. It is much more different than I had expected from a Turtles book, which is fine. It's a little more nitty gritty, but I'm a strong kid. I can handle it. Uh, the DC Comics, we're going to start with this Batman number 90. Catwoman Secret will tear them apart. James Tony the Fourth and Jorge Jaramenez. Oh, sweet. Uh, the mysterious master criminal, only known as the Designer, uh, once brought together Gotham City's greatest criminals in a plot to plot the perfect crime. And now his plans have been unleashed upon the city in all its might. Batman will go to any length to uncover the grand design, but Catwoman is the one who holds the greatest secret. If Batman wins against a designer, he will lose everything. Bullshit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it. Let me ask you a question, actually. So they're on issue 90, So which means in 10 months from now, not even 10, but five months from now, they'll be on issue 100. And you said that they might be uh, making Batman go to the uh, uh, classic numbering. So they do 100. They get an right. anniversary issue there. And then they go back to whatever it's up to, and then they might get another one there. Could be, yeah. I'm going to check out how many issues I've been out. But what do you think, Garrett? Uh, you know, I uh, as much as I did not enjoy Tom King's Batman by the end there, um, at least there was personality in that Batman. This seems like a husk of a Batman. Like This is like if we forgot about Batman for 100 years and someone tried to remember what he was, this is the Batman we'd be getting. I mean, out of these five issues, we've had one good issue and the rest have been like okay if that um so i'm a little concerned uh, this story i'm excited for though because jorge Jimenez is a great artist so it'll be good to see that art um but i don't like that already we're gonna have this batman catwoman storyline where catwoman's keeping secrets and batman doesn't trust her but then they love it i'm just like i'm just so i'm ready for something new but like i don't think batman's anywhere near or bruce wayne having closure over Alfred and like, that's probably still going to show in the series for a while, but man, the book just seems like it's a ongoing eulogy. I think the only thing is that they could have made it where Batman really was struggling with Alfred dying and much like he did in the, the cold case or blood runs cold or whatever in um, Tom King's run, have Bruce be really violent, have him take out this anger on these people or have him be out of character. Well, see, that's the big thing is I think this I mean, never should have happened. Alfred should never have died because, yeah, now we're repeating the same things twice. Batman was mad about Catwoman leaving him, so he got really violent. Alfred died. Batman's really violent, but now he's just, like, quiet and, like, but Batman, just This seems like it had the, the start of good storytelling, but we ended up having to edit it and cut it down to fit the timeline that we need it to be. So we're missing things and things that I would find interesting that I realize not everyone else cares about. Mm-hmm. We're, I'm missing story and over getting thrown into this stuff. And I and sometimes I get that's the story plot is that you're going to know some future stuff and then we'll give you a flashback. I don't care for this Batman. Actually, I agree with you mm-hmm. that, yeah, Tom King's run was feeling a little weak and a little taxing when we got near the end. But man, starting at 86 has been taxing since then. Yeah. Five issues in, and I have yet to find one that I've enjoyed. I've questioned it or called it bullshit every time. Yeah. 
Uh, I'm not going to drop it, but we'll see what keeps happening. Uh, Flash number 75, that is uh, Francis Manipool, Jeff Johns, Michael uh, Moray or Mati. 750. What is it? 75. Oh, that's close. <laughs> uh, Mary Wolfman and various others, Joshua Williamson. What is, why does it say various others before Joshua Williamson? You don't think he would say Joshua Williamson and various others? Hey, man, all the money's in Marvel's uh, <laughs> solicit, guys. Uh, Rafael Sandoval, uh, Jordi Targona. Mm. I can't see that from your glasses off. Scott Collins, <laughs> Steven Slangovia, David Marquez, Brian Hitch, Francis Manipool, Riley Rossmo, and various others, and Howard Porter on the cover. Beginning the Flash Age, story of its buildings for since issue 50 comes to a head. What was the last issue? Numbered. Uh, I don't know. What cover uh, are you going to get? Are you going to get main cover? Probably main cover. Well, you got to get that Francis Manipool cover. Yeah, I'll try. Anyway, special issue. The reason why I was asking, I was looking up to see where Batman is, and they said it would hit issue um, 700 with issue number 34, Batman. Mm. And Batman's now at 90. So if. We're in the 60s. <clears throat> almost 60s. 56. So it's 756? Yeah. So by six. So they'll have the 100 and they'll have the 800. Not that far afterwards, but it said that Flash would hit 700 on issue 39. Which we're way past. And this is 750. Is this really issue 89? I think so, yeah. It was, it's, been, it's been in the 80s, so. Lowest lane number nine. Oh, what do you think about Flash? Uh, I'm excited. I mean, that's. I think this is going to be more one, like, like a huge annual, like maybe some seeds leading into the new storyline, but I'm excited to see uh, artists uh, and writers of past and the upcoming future uh see what they bring and jeff john's gonna be on this uh Roddy rosmo what cover did you show me alex who is oh, it oh i showed you the uh manipul cover mm. yeah manipul i mean the thing about this obviously i can't you still can't see it but i'm still gonna show it to you again it. i mean i can well i guess i can't i can't fuck say. that's great yep if i was gonna get this that'd be the only cover i'd need in my life you guys are gonna get it just tune in for 750 with all those writers and artists for eight bucks, no. Especially for a book I don't read. Looks good, though. Old, old fashioned Alex would have just gotten this cover just for shits and giggles. You Lois Lane, number nine of 12. Jeez. That is Greg Rucka and Mike Perkins. Uh, how's the uh, Lois Lane going? Lois Lane's great. Um, again, I think that there should be a little more credit given to the question in this series because it has both questions in it. Uh, but Greg Rucka's killing it with Lois Lane. Um, and the art's really good, too. I want to know what makes Greg Rucka, and this is not a, a stab at female writers, but he seems so good at writing strong women characters that I wish that he'd get more time to do that. Give him more of an opportunity to show us more Lois Lane or to show us, honestly, I'd like to see him get back onto Wonder Woman again. Mm-hmm. Who's writing it now? Steve, Steve Orlando. Orlando. You don't like that? I dropped it after I saw he was dumped on. Here we go. The Strange Adventures, number one. That is Tom King, even uh, Evan Shander, and uh, Mitch Gerads. After winning five Eisner Awards and topping the year-end best-of list, the comic book of 2019 was Mr. Miracle. The comic book of 2020 will be Strange Adventures. The Mr. Miracle team of writer Tom King and artist Mitch Gerads 
are joined by fan favorite artist even Doc Shaner to bring an epic tale in the tradition of Watchmen, The Dark Knight Returns, and DC, The New Frontier, a story of blood, war, and love that readers will be talking about for years to come. Adam Strange is the hero of Ran, a man famous throughout the galaxy for his bravery and honor after leading his adopted home to victory in a great planetary war, Adam and his wife Alana retire to Earth, where they're greeted by cheers, awards, and parades. But not all is as happy and nice as it seems as the decisions Adam made during the battles of Rand come back to haunt his family and threaten the entire DC universe. And now a surprise DC hero will have to choose between saving Adam Strange and saving the world. A story like no other, Strange Adventures is an ambitious, thrilling, shocking, and beautiful 12-issue saga that will push Adam Strange to the breaking point and beyond. What do you think you're Adam? I mean, Adam. Alex? <laughs> I, I am actually very excited to get this book. I think, I think Tom King finds a stride in writing about characters that, one, I don't care about. One, I know nothing. Or two, I know nothing about. Like Mr. Miracle or Vision or this. I'm guessing it's going to be top tier with there being no holds barred being that it's a black label book. It's going to be excellent. But in the back of my mind, I also can't let go that I hated the last 30 issues of Batman. Mm-hmm. And so it also makes me a little weary to know, are we getting top notch Tom King or am I getting um, high on Batman life Tom King? Can he do it three times kind of thing? Kind of, yeah. Can you get the turkey, or do you have to sell for the ham? That's a boring. Do you reference. think? Let me let me ask this question here. Do you think that if this uh, book was turned to a TV show, this would be the theme song? What song is this, Alex? Before it even goes. I don't know if I know this one. Does it happen to also be called Strange Adventures? No. Well, we'll get back to it in a second here. Super villain, uh, <laughs> Superman villains number one, and that is Brian Michael Bennett, Matt Fraction, Greg Rucka, Jody Hauser, Steve Lieber, Mike Perkins, Eduardo Pensica. Uh, the Man of Steel's greatest villains react to the biggest news to ever rock the DC universe, Lex Luthor, Mongol, Toy Man, the Joker, and many of the world's greatest villains must come to grips <laughs> With how the world changes now that the truth has been revealed by Superman, some of the comic's most unique and creative voices unite to tell a story that changes all the rules. Are you getting this, uh, I don't think so. Normally I would, but that Heroes one got pushed back, and so this Villains one was supposed to come out after the Heroes one shot. I'm just like, it's just going to be many stories about people reacting to Superman coming out with this identity, and I'm sure they'll reboot it eventually, and no one will know who he is again, so... I just um. Oh, go ahead. I I like the fact that there are not just Superman villains on this cover, mm-hmm. but when I read Superman villains, and most of them are not his, I just kind of go really shrug. Kinda. I mean, you got Joker. Who gives a shit? Okay, most of these people, Superman could just go and be dead. By the way, it's me crushing them with his fingertips. Mm-hmm. But he wouldn't. But he wouldn't. But when I look and I see Gorilla Grodd, one, where the fuck is King Shark? Put that guy on. He's too busy hacking. Well, that's true. Trying to eat those other people. Uh, in the, I've been talking with uh, Gareth and watching the Harley Quinn cartoon. King Shark's in it, and he's a hacker. He's oh, gonna, really? He's good with computers. He's a shark. What's that movie with uh, Hugh Jackman? 
Swordfish. Swordfish. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Daredevil. Is, is he still a shark? <laughs> yeah, he's still okay. a shark. Uh, How does he push the buttons? He's got big shark fingers, right? No. He's, he's good at it. Or is he a little he's shark? Like, he's like, he's 70% shark, 30% man. So he sells hand, hands, people hands? That's what he says in the cartoon. He's a social media... Does he go uh, by Trixie? He's a social media uh, advisor and a hacker. Hmm, that sounds interesting. I like that. wonder which 30% are human. Daredevil 19. Shark to Infernal shark. 1 of 2 Kitchens Fall. A little spoilers right there in the cover. Uh, Chip Zarski, Marco Cinchetto. Hell's Kitchen is hanging by a thread, and that thread is Daredevil. Al makes his play while Mayor Fisk watches from the sidelines. Alex, what do you think? I did not catch up on did you seventeen. Catch up? Uh, no, I, I, I did not catch up on seventeen or eighteen. But, but did you? But I didn't. I don't you know. Didn't how see to that last me. page? No, no. I got it right here on my phone. I'll I, show you. you don't show it to me. Spoil it for me. Let me see. I'll still be surprised when I read it. But after you told me who's dead, oh my god, did Daredevil kill Owl? Here's what we're gonna do. You're gonna tell me what you think of this book up to the last issue, seventeen. Uh, so up through seventeen. I'll show you the last page. You don't say anything about it. Don't want to spoil it for these people on the on the the podcast. Uh, but you react to it, whether you think it's cool or not, and that makes them decide if they want to get nineteen or not. Okay. So from what I've gotten to on issue 17. sixteen. Nope, you're not even there. All right. No, I'm not even at seventeen because on issue sixteen it was Electra and Daredevil deciding to team up, and I can't remember if they're still teaming up or they're not. But they no, they just got done having sex. That's what it was. Anyway, <laughs> I want to see. Uh, I'm ready. I'm ready, and I won't say it. Oh fuck yeah! Oh, Some damn. people show up. Wow. Who's all in that? I, I won't say. It. I just want to see. I who was thinking about joining up on this book when he. I saw that he's going to be put back in his red costume. He hasn't been that in a while. Mm-hmm. I think that's when I'll jump back on. Holy shit! Let me see this. I'm so excited for three of those people. I don't know who the other two are. Okay, I'm with it. I'm with it. There you go. Okay. So that, that's, that's uh, I'm in it. Now let's do it. There it is, Marvel number one. I get to read this synopsis. I don't know what the heck this is. Alex Ross and more. More. Alex Ross. And 30 years, Alex <laughs> Ross. 30 years ago, Alex Ross had a vision of new series showing the Marvel heroes in a way that has never been done before. The first realization of that idea became the blockbuster Marvels, which we reviewed in the show. But today, Alex finally brings about his original vision, an anthology of stories by unique, exceptional talents, many of whom have been doing Marvel characters for the very first time. Over this, show, over this showcase series, you'll see the work of such artists such as Adam Hughes, Bill uh, Shinowitz, Dan uh, Berton, and more, linked together by an overarching story by Alex and Steve Darnell. This inaugural issue kicks off with the... Uh, Kicks it off with superstar artist Frank Esposito telling us an unusual Spider-Man story. Steve Rude teaming up with Kurt Busiek for an Avengers story framed by Alex and Steve Darnell presenting a tale of the dread, dread dreamland nightmare and this threat to the entire Marvel Universe and possibly beyond. Once in a lifetime assemblage of talent, you won't want to miss a single page. There you go. I just love Ringo. Hmm. Um... Superman, Superman, Spider-Man Noir, number one of five, uh, Margaret Stoll and Juan Ferreira. 
Uh, Mighty Murder Mystery in the Mighty Marvel Manor, Dateline 1939. As the Spectre War looms on the horizon, Spider-Man Noir fights a good fight at home, stopping the injustice in a more friendly neighborhood variety. But after a dame is murdered at the Black Club nightclub and the Black Cat nightclub, and all clues point overseas, Spidey has no choice but to board the next flight to Europe and kick off a globe-trotting adventure throughout the yesteryear of Marvel. I definitely want to... I'm not going to get it, but I'm going to read it in trade because Juan Ferreira from Green Arrow, hell yeah. That's why I brought it up because I was like, I'm pretty sure. What do you guys like? I would... Uh, if they would have at least had a teaser for me to look at it and see what it looked like. I like Spider-Man Noir. I just... I don't know if I would... I might look through it, but I won't get it. Uh, here we go. Strange. Academy that is Scotty Young and Roberto Ramos, a sorcerer school for the Marvel Universe. This Marvel Universe has mysteriously changed in such an alarming way that Doctor Strange has done what he's avoided for decades. He's opened a school for young sorcerers. Young people from around the world with aptitude and magic have been brought together in a New Orleans in New Orleans to study the mythic mystic arts under Strange, Brother Voodoo, the Ancient One, Scarlet Witch. Magic, Hellstrom, and all your favorite Marvel magicians. With all the new magical threats, is it too late? Hell yeah. I'm excited. Yeah, I th- it Potter. looks like a bunch of uh, new characters, and hopefully it's not very confusing on who's who. Um, but it's cool that Doctor Strange will be kind of like the headmaster of this Question. magic school. Yes. If this was a TV show, would this be the theme song? No. Maybe for the Hulk show. Here you go. Here's, the, here's what it's called. It's called Strange Magic. There you go. See, it works for Strange Adventures. You were waiting strange. for that, weren't you? <laughs> it was. King of Nowhere, number one. That's W. Maxwell Prince and Tyler Jenkins. Uh, Maxwell Prince, you will know from Ice Cream Man. And Tyler Jenkins, you know from Grass Kings and Black Badge. Bring you an unforgettable thrill- thriller that explores the miraculous, the mundane, and all the mysteries in between. Lovable drunken, low-life Dennis awakens on the outskirts of a mysterious village called Nowhere, home to a friendly populace of deformed, mutated, just left normal citizens. He has no memory of how he got there, but just when Dennis starts to regain his memories, his patch past finally catches up with him, literally. What at first seems like merely a bad trip quickly heightens into a drama, a mistaken identity, small town conspiracies, and a high stakes fantasy fulfillment. So you go from uh, Boom Studios, a new book there from uh, the writer of Ice Cream Man and the artist of Black Batch, two books in which this podcast has enjoyed in the past. So it uh, looks like those are the books coming out this week for the week of uh, March 4th, 2020. Alex, what looks to be your pick? Sorry, I'm looking at all the other books on Dynamite, Red Sonia. Like, sometimes I wish I still was reading Red Sonia just to be in that realm. I still haven't read my did Gilson even, run. Did you even hear the song? Strange Magic? Yeah, we'll play it again. Uh, you know what? I'm, I think I'm actually going to go with, uh, shut up, Outer Darkness 2. Number one. That sounds pretty cool. Outer Darkness 2, number one. That's John Layman, Rob Guillory, and Afu Chan. Chan? What was it? Chan. Okay. Afu Chan. Um, Garrett? I'm going to go with 
You know what? Strange Academy, number one. I am interested about it um, because I think concepts like this where you create new characters. Spade yells at us for not getting Flash 750 and he goes with the Strange Academy. Yeah, but that's... That's not going to be my pick of the week. It's, it's an annual. That's not gonna, I mean, you're going to get a little bit of everything. That's the way we're just saying. It's like, it's an annual, you know. But I know there's so much talent on there. Yeah, but if I was invested in that character, I mean, I am invested in that character, but not where he currently is. Yeah. Then I would get it, but. Hmm. If it was like a new number one and like Jeff Johns was kicking it off, of course it'd be hooked back. If know? it was Manipul doing all the work in it and it was going to be beautiful and the art was, I mean, it was just going to be fantastic all around. Like Trinity number one, yeah, I'd get it. I like Joshua Williamson too. I think he's a good writer. It's just that, and it even goes back to what your complaint about it, is that when you get too deep into the lore of your character and you start making up shit that makes it them not so unique anymore. You start making up shit. Well, when you think about it, right? Like the Flash, right? He got struck by lightning and, well, I guess if we talk about Barry, got struck by lightning and then got these powers and then at the time, not anymore, but at the time he still had his uh, parents were still alive. And the reason why he becomes a superhero is because he wants to do a good thing. And then when you get all these things about all these forces that kind of put him on that path and like his parents died because of all that stuff, then you're making it so like it's not really his choice anymore. You kind of take that away from him. And right. so I feel like it lessens the character a little bit. Well, yeah. So that's, that's what I mean. It's like when people are like, oh, I got to explain why he's the Flash. It's like, now you're making him like a little lesser than what I used to believe in him. Right. And which is why I would always complain about Scott Snyder and Batman is like, you're ruining the mystery being like, we made you like, we made sure you became Batman. It's like, no, okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, I just want to know that this guy, his parents got killed. He's like, I'm gonna fucking take care of this. And so now you're being like, we planned this shit. Yeah, I agree. I understand that where if a hero <laughs> decides to be a hero because that's the right thing to do, <clears throat> it'd be like Lex Luthor making Superman be Superman. Uh, yeah, I get that. I can understand. Uh, I'm going to go with Strange Adventures. Tom King, Mitch Garaz, and uh, Doc. Jenner. Going to be fucking fantastic. Because Mr. Miracle was one of my favorite books last year. And the year before, obviously, Vision. Was the year before? No, it was 2016. Uh, really good. I'm going to call it shit. <laughs> no, I can't. Alex I know it's going to be good. Pastralo. The weather outside, how's it going the first week of March? What are we looking at? Uh, it's going to be a nice fluffy lamb. I'm going to let you in on a secret. I actually did watch the news this morning, so unless it changed drastically, uh, we're in the 40s, sometimes even close to 50 degrees all week Whoa. long. Whoa. Yeah. Lots of melting Whoa. going on. Heads up, down south, there's going to be some water coming down most likely. I'm assuming, unfortunately, I would assume flooding is going to be happening again Question this year. for you, Pastrala. Uh, Question. Yes. Uh, two questions. Yesterday, I heard, was a day that doesn't happen normally. That's a statement. Okay. Uh, so I was curious. Yesterday, how did you spend your extra day? A little extra sleep. Did you work yesterday? No. I actually was off yesterday. You what know day? why? Not a normal day. Well, regardless, I may Everybody have, should I, be off the 29th, regardless of what it is. Just a holiday. The crazy mm-hmm. thing is I it heard some exist. people were turning, four, turning 10. It's like, man, that would suck if your birthday only came once every four years. And the crazy yeah. thing is that leap year... Every every year the sun goes around, it, or we go around the sun. You know what, though? There. Imagine this. Your birthday's on the 29th. Uh, well, actually, we do this at, at where me and Garrett work. There's like a calendar that just looks at what day it is and tells you whose birthday it is. Your birthday's never on that thing, except for this year. Yeah. So everybody else never knows it's your birthday. Facebook's never going to tell them. Like uh, like all these things that remind people, they never yeah. tell them. Happy yearly cycle. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you really could say your birthday's any time and they wouldn't know. 
I think at that point in time, I would make my birthday. Hopefully, it happened at like midnight. Would you make it in February or March? Because you got that benefit. You can go the day before or the day after. Oh, you always go March. Mm. You know why, though? You look a lion. Gotta go in like a lion. It's in like a lamb. It's gonna be in like a lamb because you know it's gonna leave like a lion. It's gonna be a real bitch. So when you talk about the weather, this week it looks like it's nice. It's gonna be gorgeous. Uh, I saw close to sixty degrees on uh, Saturday, sixty-three, I think. Um, but I got a question about because yeah. we're gonna get there in a couple of weeks. The fifteenth, I've been hearing about it. It's just to be aware, what's happening? Somebody told me to be aware. What's so big about the fifteenth? <clears throat> Ides of March. It's a Sunday. What about it? Ides of March. Yeah, well, what about it? Beware. You know what's after that? Garrett's birthday. Fuck yeah, it is. You know what's like six days after that? <laughs> what My daughter's birthday? birthday. What day's your birthday? The 16th? Yeah. 20th? What? Dodge birthday is the 20th? 22nd. You said, didn't, oh, you said six. Six days. He said four. Mm-hmm. Dude, get your... What the hell is wrong? We wear, head, we wear headphones. I actually did figure out... By the, oh, by the way, this last segment brought to you by RainbowComicsAndCards.com. Get your comic books at RainbowComicsAndCards.com. They'll deliver your books. You know what? I'm going to say it. This might not be true. This might be false advertisement. Alex will deliver your books directly to your door. <laughs> I can guarantee that's false advertising. Or he'll touch the box <laughs> that gets sent to you. You know what? Honestly, that could happen. If you want him to, just put a little note in your order that you want Alex to... To sign something and put it in the box, and he'll go over there and sign something. Put it in the box. I'll send the box for you. Uh, A.B. Keaton. <laughs> uh, RainbowComicsAndCards.com, locations in Sioux Falls and Lincoln, Nebraska. Go to, link, uh, go to RainbowComicsAndCards.com for more information. Um, birthday, 22nd. What was I going to say? The We have four books to review. It's March 15th. I was going to say something. And then I, I said, oh, by the way, before I get there, let me do Are you still on Leap Year? Oh, no, here. You said, what's wrong with you? You got to get yourself checked out. I actually did figure out something was wrong with me. This guy helped me out here. Uh, I, was having, I had a headache for like three weeks. Oh. Straight. Like every day. Like in the morning, it'd be fine. And then by the time I get about to lunchtime, I would get that headache back. And it was so bad. Sometimes I would go to sleep and wake up. I still had it. Uh, not like overnight sleep, like a, like a nap or something like that. Actually, no, one weekend it was I went to sleep overnight. I still had it the next day. And I uh, told Garrett, I go, that's it. Aneurysm. Dying. <laughs> and then Garrett goes, hey, how much water do you drink? And I go, first off, mind your fucking business. <laughs> mind your own business. My water intake, that's my life. Uh, and I go, you know what? I don't know. So I drank a lot of water recently. It turns out, dehydrated. Yeah. <laughs> mind fucking your fucking course. business. <laughs> you know, so many people that are like so like crabby during the day or whatever. I'm like, have you drank in, like any fucking water? You know water? what? It almost feels like I, I DH five years. I'm not even kidding. Like I used to lay down and my neck and everything would hurt by the time I get up. But I started drinking a lot of water. doesn't happen anymore. Holy fuck. I was reading online, doing some more research to say why. And it looks like that water. Alex, hear me out here. That water makes it so that between your joints and muscles, a little cushion. Yep. And also if you're dehi- a thermal regulator. <clears throat> and if you're, it improves digestion. And if you're dehydrated, <laughs> that doesn't happen. It keeps you alive. <laughs> That's why you're made 70% well, I, I mean, of water. I, I think I always drink enough to stay alive. But obviously my body was like, hey, you know what really what really struck me was like I got to start drinking more waters uh, and ask about it was uh, I had a headache that was so bad like I couldn't even open my eyes. So I was just like, ah. Oh, and I, and I asked, and I go, aneurysm. So I looked up all this shit, and then finally this guy over here uh, goes, hey, drink some water. And I was like, oh. <laughs> drink some I go, water. I goes, that going to hurt anything if I drink some water. So I drink like three things of water, and I f- the headache went away. So, See, now I'll, I'll admit that three I... Three bottles. 
Not just three glasses. Yeah. Oh, and so you got like twenty-two ounces each. I used to fill up my Batman jug and drink that just all day long, and it'd be eight of those a day. And you're like, wow, I feel really good. Back when mm. I was in running shape, uh, now I'm not in running shape. Which if I actually drank more water, I'd probably be more like, yeah, let's go burn the shit off. Let's do this. Uh, TMI: If your pee is clear, that means you're hydrated. So if your pee's dark, not enough water. Mm. Sometimes it's yellow. You want it to be almost white. You want it to look like you're literally peeing water. Mine was like white. Mine was like brown. What do you think about that? <laughs> that means uh, you're dying. Yeah, that means you need to get your uh, kidneys looked at. <laughs> <laughs> Might have a kidney stone blocking it. So, yeah. uh, speaking of Batman, Alex brought up that jug. Uh, Batman: Curse of the White Knight, number eight, eight, seven, seven, uh, by Sean Murphy and his twin brother Sean Murphy. That was my Murphy joke earlier. Oh, I get it now. I'm just oh, no, for it? him. You mean otherwise known as Goat of the Week? That doesn't make sense. Uh, of Curse the of the White Knight, the <laughs> penultimate issue, we are the revelations in the last issue that Bruce Wayne was not a Wayne and that uh, Azrael was a true Wayne, or at least his uh, line, family line came from the Waynes. Uh, this issue, we get Batman... Uh, putting it all on the table, saying, uh, I am the Batman to everybody, and saying, hey, by the way, though, uh, I'm going to give away all my fucking money to a nonprofit that's going to pay for everything in this damn city and save you from your uh, having to pay taxes for years. Uh, but I need a favor from you. One more time, let me be the Batman and bring this motherfucker in. Uh, and then he, there's only one car left. What car the is best bat car oh, ever. That, the Burton Batmobile, baby. And what does he say, Alex, when he pulls up? It's my favorite one. It's my favorite one. Which means you know what? That's Murphy's favorite Batmobile. Yeah. No. Yeah. And, you heard it here first. And I was like, that's Alex's favorite. And I'm pretty sure uh, a lot of people's favorites. It's not my favorite, but it's top five. Oh, it's number one. It definitely is a great design. By the way, actually, the way the Murphy draws it, I was looking at it for a while because... I was trying to decide whether or not it's one of my favorite ones, but the way he draws it is amazing. It's like a combo. Of, well, I mean, the animated series one obviously is very heavily influenced by the Tim Burton Batmobile, but I think that Sean Murphy made it longer to match that animated series aesthetic while still having it be the Burton Batmobile. That's the thing. is like the design is fantastic. It's just right. in those movies, obviously, now that they're, uh, what, 30 years? No, not even 20, 40 years old. It was in 1989? I think in 85. So, 35. So, uh, it just doesn't hold up as much anymore by looking at it. Um, same thing, similar to the costume. It's just like it looks cheap, but the design-wise looks fantastic. Wow, that's so good. That's why when he draws it, you're like, that's hey, a good car. But, oh, like, God, so, so the best part about this Curse of the White Knight issue is, like, as soon as he gets in the Burton Batmobile, it just turns into a silent issue for, like, three pages of him just riding his fucking Batmobile, and it was beautiful. Like... You know, the whole part of the book, he's like, he reels himself as Bruce Wayne. He's like, hey, if you guys trust me, just give me one more night. And so they clear the streets and, you know, he he gets in his Batmobile, drives to where Azrael's supposed to be. And then he gets out of the car. And I think that's where it ends is Bruce Wayne in front of a Timber and Batmobile, like just standing there like. No, he jumps in the car and it's him taking off. He's going down the street. I thought it's him standing outside of the Batmobile. Because there's, oh. there's a two-page shot of him standing outside that Batmobile. I got to hear somewhere, guys. That's so the last time I remember. He stands up, he's in the middle of the, the city as Montoya comes on there and goes, Hey, Bruce, this is where he's at. Jumps in the car and zooms off. Oh, okay. Well, whatever. They still had that scene. And the scene where he's standing in front of the Batmobile. 
Oh yeah, is amazing. Well, when he goes and reveals it's, it to you, yeah, that Bruce Wayne come in and then it's okay. she tells him and he jumps in. Um, I enjoyed the Montoya saying telling Bruce that you know why would anyone trust you? Well, for tonight they I need to ask them to trust me. So that's when he goes on the on the big screen and says, "Hey, here's my I am I Bruce Wayne is the Batman." And he says, and, "If I go out there and nobody's on the streets, then at least they trust me one more time." Well, and that's the thing is that maybe it made me think of like Arkham Knight or even Arkham City, where all the it's only bad guys on the street. Mm-hmm. And so then I thought, you know, if he runs into resistance or runs into people who aren't safely in their homes, it's his bad guys who don't trust you, bro. Hey, you know, one part of this book, uh, by the way, fantastic book issue. Yeah. Um, oh, tape. Uh, art wise and story wise, and just to set the the table for the final issue, it's. Uh, full uh, steam ahead and it's like it makes you want to read the next issue but also being like that issue, last issue is going to be a blockbuster of epic events because of how this one sets up I think it's a perfect penultimate, penultimate issues but there's one part of it actually uh, um, when Bruce is talking about how he's not Bruce anymore he's Batman because of what it's done to him and he needs to stop because he doesn't doesn't remember how to be human anymore basically and he just knows how to be this uh, crime fighter. Uh, I really thought that scene was great. And actually, <laughs> a line in there, right away when I heard it, I was like, that's Pastrella. When he's like, I can't even shake somebody's hand without thinking how to break their elbow three different ways. <laughs> oh, at the beginning when he's talking to Harley? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was, a, that was a really great scene. And like he was kind of like, man, I'm not a Wayne. Like, does that even mean I'm... And he was like, like if I stop doing this, anymore. who's going to be there for me? And she was like, your friends. I'm going to be there. I, I think I love this dynamic between Harley and Bruce that they've always liked each other and always kind of had a, I'm going to call it a crush. But this this relationship's always taken off where she grabs his hand, holds it in a in a, a friendly, but, you know, I'm here for you all the way to the end. And that's, oh, that's, mm-hmm. that's nice that just, I don't know, a year and a half ago. You're kind of on the wrong side of the team. But whatever. anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, I actually like the beginning of this issue where young nine-year-old Bruce, ten-year-old Bruce is talking to Alfred and is standing in the the office of Thomas and is looking at the, the swords of the rapier hanging on the wall. And Bruce goes, it's my fault. And Alfred goes, why is it your fault? This, you didn't put them in this situation. He goes, no, I wanted to go see this movie because I wanted to know how to use these swords. And if I had known that, I would have been able to help. And Alfred takes the sword down and gives it to Bruce and goes, when we come back from the funeral for your family, I will teach you how to use the sword so that you will be ready to help someone when the time comes. Yeah, that was fucking powerful. You just gave me goosebumps, dude. Where it just, it blows my mind that there are some books that I think nail the Alfred family member where it's not even, I mean, it's just, he is dad, he's friend, he's everything to Bruce. Mm-hmm. And especially at a young age where Bruce is still malleable, I mean, you know that Alfred helped make Batman or Bruce into Batman, yeah, by giving him that boost. At least in the in the Gordon run or the Murphy run, I, I'm just so oh my god. And this is probably the first time ever that they've given a legit reason on why they went to that fucking movie in the first place. <laughs> like, I mean, it's always been like Bruce wanted to go see it or just parents taking kids to a movie, but. The guilt that he feels for like taking him to that movie. This is the first time he's like, "Well, I wanted to learn sword fighting." In Batman so Begins, they go to a play, right? About bats. Yeah. Okay. Can I get the rights to, to Zero or something like that? 
I don't know what it was. Hey, you know what, actually, <clears throat> what Alex is saying, the uh, portrayal of the relationship between these two, uh, it's fantastic. It's been fantastic in this series as a, as a whole, but um, it's so much so that it's treated that the Alfred character with respect and not that he's just a butler. Uh, even like, so what always bothers me is in private uh, situations, when it's just Bruce and Alfred, some writers do still write him as the butler. And it's like, but he wouldn't be. Like, he would be like his father figure. He wouldn't be making him do that kind of shit. Right. But uh, in public obviously makes sense. You know, keep up appearances. But, no. um, you know, that's why in this one here, you just had Alfred acting as a father figure without even having to deal with any of that. And it's been like that for the whole series. But it just reminds me of, like, times when you see uh, Alfred, like, picking up around Bruce and like getting shit. And it's like, dude, he's not a, he's not a butler anymore. That dude's his dad. Mm-hmm. Which reminds me a good joke and a good joke that happened to Harley Quinn. Uh, Batman brings Robin a sandwich. He goes, Hey, I made this sandwich for you. And Robin Damien uh, goes, you didn't make that. Alfred made that. He goes, well, I told him to make it. Uh, but I thought this issue is, this series, which is which is crazy to me because the first series we love so much, and then this series I feel like is uh, as good, if not a little bit I better. Uh, I think the action sequences are better than the first series. Because um, I can remember at least two, the showdown between Batgirl and Batman and, and Azrael and his troops, and then obviously the shootout outside of the, uh, the uh, police headquarters, uh, GCPD. Um, I just think it elevates to another level, and I just can't wait to see what comes next after this. But also, this next issue that's coming up, at the end, they show a little preview with uh, black and white without being pre-colored. And it's just like, I want it today. Yeah, I want to read that really <clears throat> bad. I, I actually chose not to even look at the back part of it tonight, today, just because I thought, you know what? I got one more month to wait. And it makes me sad that we're going to finish this next issue, issue eight here in a month and a half or whatever it's going to be. And then it's going to be done for six months or a year or however long we have to wait until volume three starts up. But at least you'll have a complete story with the writer and artist doing the entire book. I mean, it's one person, but you still have a full book that you had everything that was just like designed for that book. Did you ever read that, uh, freeze one shot? Yes. That was great. I, I liked it. There were things that I, I didn't care for, but that's just me being nitpicky. What changes or what? Uh, art. Part of it was art for me. It was a, I. I go into this and the cover looked beautiful, but I expect when it had the the white knight tie-in that it was going to be a Murphy book. Not that it wasn't written by Murphy. Um, I just. It's been so long since I've read it that I can't tell you specifically why I'm why I was disappointed. But I remember reading, going, oh well, I hmm. guess it was okay. Did you read it? Yeah, yeah, you read it. Okay. Yeah, I really liked it. I mean, it's. That was, uh, again, a well-thought-out take on Mr. Freeze. Well, who did the art for that book? I thought it was... Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. Another it was something else. Yeah. I give this issue a 10 as well, like I've gotten the last couple issues of Curse of the White Knight. I mean, what a great story, and like this penultimate issue is just... The way it ends is just like... It was our buddy, Holy actually. fuck. Can't wait. Did the art. Klaus Johnson. I... I... Th- think that i want to reread white knight the first one and then reread this 
Well, like if you think about it, remember the first volume's from the perspective of the Joker and Jack Napier. So that's why it's like this is so fresh and original because this is like the true Batman story yeah. or that first volume's Joker story. Making Bruce look like an idiot. Right. Like and a psycho. Batman was the bad guy, you know? Yeah. This is a 10 for me. That's oh, this series couldn't be anything but a 10. Fantastic. That is Sean Murphy and his brother, Sean Murphy. On the uh, Curse of the White Knight, number seven, the penultimate issue, one more issue, and then it is completed. And then you got yourself two great uh, series to read about the uh, Batman. Speaking of which, Detective Comics 1020. Yep. Yes. By um, Tomasi. James uh, Tomasi. Uh, Peter Tomasi and art by um, Eddie. No, 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 no. It was no. Burroughs. It, it was. was um, God damn it. Oh, let me look it up. I can't remember. It's the same artist we had last issue. And it's, it, you know what? The art is good. Mm-hmm. He did Aquaman. God, what the fuck is his name? I'll wait for you because I, I don't want to, I don't want to get into it without having to know who I'm complaining about. <laughs> uh, Brad Walker. That's who it was. Walker. Brad Walker. He did Aquaman a while back. And Brad Walker's been doing Detective on and off yeah, for a while Yeah, he's been now. on it for a second. Uh, he's the one that kind of does the detail. What are you going to say you complain about Brad Walker's art in this issue? What about it? There was something that... Oh, um, it's Two-Face's face. That's fine. That's fine most, most of the time it's fine. But there's there's spots... He's a monstrosity. ...where there's like chunks of skin. And maybe it is chunks of skin. I mean, it's charred flesh. He said it's still fresh, baby. I was going to say... After all I was how com- fresh? I mean, you got your fucking skin ripped off and you got your muscles on the outside. It's still going to be fresh every day? I sp- that's it's what like, I was going to commend Brad Walker on is like there was several times throughout this issue where I'm like fuck like the guy was imagine su- walking around like that like just an open sore when you have an open sore it doesn't heal over you know what you do you put some uh, peroxide on it watch that shit hey, can bubble. you imagine that throwing that peroxide oh on half that <laughs> yeah why doesn't Batman just carry that around like <laughs> oh, <laughs> I went knocked out <laughs> fuck you Batman put some of this on you get an infection <laughs> Um, That's the only reason he even goes to fight Two Faces just to help clear up the infection. <laughs> and why is he dealing with those coins? There's a lot of germs in those coins. Yeah, he's getting infected real quick. So I really like this issue. I thought it was good. You know, I think the duality between Harvey Dent and uh, Two Face was. I haven't present. read a good two story fa- uh, story in a long time. Two Face story. Two Face story. Two Face story. <laughs> trying uh, to think. Yeah, like I I, I, the only thing I can there. recall is from uh, Gotham Central. Um and beyond that, it's been like I don't know. Uh, okay Long Halloween's stuff. good. Long Halloween's pretty good. But Gotham mostly... Central came on after that. Oh, yeah. Well, just to call him back another good Two Face story. <laughs> I didn't say the only good Two Face stories. Oh, I see the last, I time, said the read last time I read one. Uh, um, he was in that All Star Batman, but I didn't really like that. No, him in that at all. But I thought this was actually uh, like uh, Garrett was saying. The duality of Dent and, and Two Face, and then like him using the coin. I thought this issue was really fantastic about showing that. I thought the art was really gruesome to show Two Face as, like you said, like I never really thought about it before, but it is true that like he doesn't have any skin on that side of his body. Like, right. that must hurt for him. Maybe that's probably why he's angry all the time. And uh, a man that. Uh, but this one, he's that. got. So the bullet wound that we're seeing. Oh, right, he got shot. Did twice. he get shot in the head? No, he got no. shot in the shoulder. Okay, so it's both were shot in the shoulder and one in the burn. One went through, through and through, and one's yep. still stuck in there. Okay. And so <laughs> that's so crazy about this is like they get a doctor to pull out one bullet and then Two-Face gets pissed and kills him. 
And then Two Face pulls the own his own bullet out of his chest. I was like, "Fuck, man!" Like the guy's trying to get the bullets out of your body. And he's like, "Fuck, man, that hurt." But the, but the, yeah, so then Two Face turns still alive, huh? <laughs> Not anymore. Uh, actually, I really did enjoy this Two Face, and it was it seemed less duality between Dent and Two Face. Two Face seems to be in control half most of the, not half the time most of the time in this issue. Oh, for sure. And I don't know if in being in pain, I'm sure it kind of goes into the fight I mean, or flight. Yeah, I guess you're right because he does call him Dent. The doctor does at one point, and that's when he decides to flip the coin because he gets mad at him for that. He's like, "Don't call me that." Because then, because well, then Dent freaks out. Going, what did I do? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh my god, how, how uncontrollable are you in this state? I really like Batman in this issue for like. Here's the thing: a lot of. Uh, uh, Detective work, yeah, that's which I thought awesome. was fantastic, and but also um, just having a story like this, like I said before, a story that you break down all this, uh, you know, need to make a grand story, need to be like break something new, and just being like tell a pure Batman detective story like this with a, a classic villain from his uh, rogues gallery in Two Face, and not make it try to make it super complicated, but make it excellent in what it, it's doing and what it what in and what it's trying to reach, I think. And that aspect, even though it's not like a crazy story, I think it's really well done. And I think maybe that's what I've been saying I've been missing for a while. Like Batman, they keep trying to make it like reinvent this character, make it their own, uh, which is fine. But also then you get caught in the webs of being like, I'm going to change this character. And then you get down that rabbit hole where you have to reinvent the character, uh, even from its origin story, where this one's just like, hey, he's a detective. He's going to go after and figure out what's going on with Two-Face, and we're going to follow Two-Face being Two-Face and uh, just see how that works, seeing a gangster and a detective, uh, you know, in a crime story. That's what we're doing. Well, yeah, and that's probably why, like, you know, we've been reading Batman for six months now, the newest one, or five months, and it's like, this is what I want. This is what I want from a Batman story, like like just what you said. And it was just it's just so refreshing. I mean, obviously, we can't get, like, the best Batman, Curse the White Knight forever, but... That's what I'm saying. Too. I'm not saying good Batman. Book don't try and not do anything different. I'm not. Right. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that you don't have to. Like it, it's, you can still fall back and be like, let me tell a great detective story. Let me get back to the core of this character, and then maybe we can ease into. But I think everybody else starts off right away being like, I have to do something brand new. And it's like, hey, how about you Ray Batman for a second? Well, so they all want to blow your socks off when they start off. This one, I was, I was actually blown away anyway. That one, it was kind of a normal story. And the expectation that seems to be Two Face is going to start his own Church of uh, Church of Two, yeah, Church of Twos, which Two. they've actually done in the past. So Tomasi, have they? Mm-hmm. Tomasi, in, the, in like the Golden Age. Tomasi's been on. He did the Arkham Knight. Yep. And what was the next arc? Uh, the one we just got done with. There was that Floyd Lawton one for two issues where uh, Deadshot was hunting Bruce. That one wasn't super strong, but they just did the uh, Supernatural one. That's right. The I must have skipped that one. Oh, that was great. The Arkham Knight one, that's what I'm talking about. Like, P- Tomasi comes in and he goes, I'm going to have this character. I'm going to reinvent right. it. Look, it's going to come out with this brand new character, this brand new threat for Batman. And really, I think you're just setting yourself up to fail that you're going to be like, I'm reinventing this character. It's never going to be the same after this. Rather than just telling a character from core and make the story around that, uh, you know, you don't have to change everything every single time. We don't need to reinvent the wheel every single time you tell a story. And I think it actually goes back to what Alex says about these these uh, solicits. Every time they're like, it's never going to be the same ever again. It's like, hey, I'm pretty sure it will be. Right. Like, like, calm down. Just tell me a story. I don't need something earth shattering every time you open up an issue. 
Which I, I like. That. That's why I like this one. I, I agree. Like, man, you, I think you put that like right, like straight on because like it's just it's just annoying how much Batman like if if that if Batman had to go through everything that like shook him to the core, like every fucking time a new writer came on. To do it, how many this times this guy like, would be like fucking a puddle on the floor? Well, I say Bruce, the way they that Bruce has lived his life so far, he's seen some crazy ass shit. And so when they go that, oh, this is gonna shatter Bruce. I I doubt that. Yeah, because like you said, if Bruce was shattered every time, boy, that boy would be dead. He just want to kill himself. He right. would actually pull the Tom King Batman and off himself, going, "This isn't worth it." Mm. I had too many people hunting for me. I give this an eight. I actually really did enjoy this issue. Uh, it was a surprise for me. I've been kind of. I thought DC and Batman both have been getting not necessarily weaker, but DC has picked itself back up to mm-hmm. be strong for the last probably about four issues. We're like, okay, we're back on track to this being a very well written um, and not overdone book. Right, I agree. I'm gonna give it an eight. Yeah, me too. It's a strong eight. I thought it's uh, art wise, Brad Walker. Uh, I thought it did a great job. Tomasi. Um, reminds me of uh, Tomasi on uh, Superman, those first couple issues where it's straight storytelling and just like not super complicated. And so I really did enjoy this issue. And actually, uh, as my woes continue with the the Batman main book, uh, reading this issue actually made me excited being like, oh, you know, just jump back, in, back, jump back on Detective. You should go back and read the last two because issues. Because I, I thought I actually, I thought I was actually reading Detective. And so when I saw on the list that Alex put together, I was like, okay, got to read this book. And I started reading and be like, oh, no, I haven't been reading this book. But I just read it because I kept enjoying what I was reading. Yeah. So. Uh-huh. Uh, there you go. A little Are you bit. still getting Batman? Yeah. Okay. I mean, as of this moment, yes. Okay. We'll, we'll see. It comes out this week, right? <laughs> Number 90. <laughs> Guys, this is shit. Not getting it. <laughs> is that the 90s? Is it part of the same story? Yeah, it is. See, like like that, I don't really like. I don't care about the designer. I don't care about what's his secrets. I mean, like, I'm I'm interested calm in the, the designer. Fuck down for a second. You, I'm talking about. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but it's like if I wrote a Spider-Man book, and I will say that because you wore a Spider-Man shirt. It reminded me. If I wrote a Spider-Man book, and I go, "Hey, Peter Parker's never going to be the same. Yeah. He's going to turn into a spider," which actually has happened, but multiple times. Um, or hey, he's not going to be the same anymore. Uh, well, like that we did for Dan Slott's issue, right? He wasn't poor anymore. He wasn't struggling for money. He was successful. Uh, he was in a relationship with, uh, what's her name? What's her name? Mary Jane? No. No, Marconi. Marconi. Oh, yeah. And you change everything you have about the character and it just doesn't feel the same anymore. Which I'm not saying, like, again, I'm not saying don't break new ground on these characters. What I'm saying is sometimes you don't have to change everything about them to tell a good story and you think that's what you're going to do to surprise readers. Sometimes... You just make a good story around a character. The challenge is creating a good story around a character that everybody else has written. And how do you make it different on your own rather than actually changing everything to make it different? That's what right. it is. I will shout out, though. I, I enjoyed Superior Spider-Man. Yeah, Superior Spider-Man. Superior was good. But you knew that was Otto Octavius. You knew that wasn't Peter Parker. I was just you thought the one that after when Peter came back and was filthy yeah. rich. Because yeah. then they're just like, hey, what if he was rich? Yeah. And I was like, yeah. Well, what right. if he was Bruce Wayne? <laughs> Uh, Tony Stark. Or it's more like it. Because he had technology and shit. Uh, there we go. X-Men number seven. seven. Jonathan Hickman and uh, Linnell Francis. You, we get an issue here about the Crucible. Um, so it starts the issue with Cyclops and Wolverine chatting uh, while looking at the Earth. You know, nice little Sunday. And... Uh, Talking about uh, Cyclops invites Wolverine with them and the kids to the beach. And Wolverine's like, oh, 
Jean Grey in a bikini, huh? And uh, Cyclops goes, yeah, and me in a Speedo. Well, Cyclops in a Speedo, as we talked about before. Mm-hmm. Third person. And he goes, yeah, I'll go. Um, but then Cyclops it starts talking. He goes, I had Crucibles today. And I think Wolverine kind of brushes up and like, yeah, I know, but you know, it's, you got to do what you got to do. And they really haven't explained what the Crucible is at that point. And they do later on the issue, but you're kind of thinking being like, okay, what's, what's this thing that everybody keeps disagreeing with? But they're like, Hey, you who, like, yeah, that's what we decided. And uh, I think Wolverine says, Hey, they didn't put us in the fucking council. Like we're only here to, you know, uh, help them out. We're not here to make decisions. And so Cyclops goes and he's going to go find, um, Nightcrawler. Because <clears throat> he really wants to ask him a question about the resurrections, whether or not he thinks that it's a good choice or not. Because when you die, you should be able to come back to life, which is a good question for Nightcrawler because he's a very religious guy. And he wants to understand, like, does he see that that is an okay thing to do? So he's going to go find him. Uh, he walks by Cypher talking to the tree, uh, F. Krakoa, and says, hey, where's the Nightcrawler over there? That guy. That was there for a second. That's is that Krakoa? Like the manifest who is that? Oh shit. I can't remember. I like Solomon. No, like, he's, I know he's got a real name. I wanna I'll look it up. I can't remember. He just leaves. Yeah. Adios. Anyways, goes find Nightcrawler and you're asking him about the crucible. What do you think about this? And they start talking about the resurrection and saying, like, what does it mean to die and come back if if your whole life's devoted to at least with the way that Kurt sees it? that his whole life is devoted to doing the best thing that he can do while he's here in order to reach uh, heaven's gates when he dies. If there's never a moment he will reach that, then what is he trying to accomplish in life? If he's trying to make heaven on earth then, so that way uh, he could reach heaven on earth if he's never going to die, he's going to be internal, eternal like that. And then also he questions being like, if you're brought back, are you still do you still have the same soul? Or does your soul die the first time that you actually die? And when you get brought back, it really is just a, your body, your husk being brought back. And it just remembers things because it's told to remember things rather than actually being the same soul uh, that died before. And Kurt's asking that question, being a person that has been resurrected. Uh, and he asked Cyclops, another person that has been resurrected since they've come up with this new uh, way of bringing back X-Men. They're having that kind of talk, which is actually a great talk to have at this point because... Is that too much power for the X-Men to be able to not care about their mutants' lives anymore because they can always just bring them back? Uh, which we've seen in the past with these missions that they've been sending them on. Really, they sent them on missions and never expected them to come back because they know they can just bring them back. And what kind of, not only arrogance, but what kind of uh, danger can you get into when really you don't see yourself as... Uh, expendable. Yeah, well, now you're expendable. You're not important anymore. Uh, in the sense that I would just bring it back, right? We don't have to worry so much about getting everything right. We don't have to worry so much about whether that's the right thing to do. Uh, if anything happens, just kill me and I'll come back. Um, similar to, if you even think about like a, a video game, right? If I say, hey, if I go this way, you think it's going to kill me? I go, oh, who cares? I'll go and if I die, I'll come back. Well, at a certain point, when you're making these important decisions as they are in, in this X-Men new world, if you don't care about ever dying, then really where's your investment in life? Uh, it's really what Kurt's asking here. It's like, what am I doing here? And what are we all the rest of us doing here? Um, if there's no danger of death anymore, because we could just be brought back. Uh, while they're having this conversation, we do see, uh, we finally get a little taste of what the crucible is. And uh, we see uh, Apocalypse is uh, what I would like to call the leader of the crucible. 
Uh, Chris Bowl is basically uh, to prove because at one point with Scarlet Witch, uh, don't say that name, uh, when Scarlet Witch, uh, pretender, pretender, uh, said no more mutants, she took away millions of mutants' powers, uh, made them just humans. So any of these now mutants turn to humans, if they want to be resurrected, it's not so much just uh, a choice that they'll kill them and bring them back to get their powers back. They have to prove uh, that they're worthy of bringing a mutant again by facing apocalypse in battle. Uh, so we get that in this issue, which I thought was fucking fantastic. Could you imagine, as a as a like as a human going up against apocalypse, and like as Melody has to in this issue? Like, she gets the shit beat out of him by Apocalypse. This hulking, seven-foot-something colossus that's just beating the shit out she's, of you. She actually does a pretty good job. Uh, I mean, as good as she would have been able yeah. to do, but uh, she does uh, <laughs> get the shit beat out of her. Oh, and uh, Apocalypse has a huge sword, and at the end, he uh, does a little chop-chop, and she comes back to life. And uh, Kurt and... Uh, uh, Scott are still talking and they go, but who are we to judge when something beautiful like this happens? And when she comes back, she goes in the sky and uses powers to go like, and they're still questioning like, ah, is it right? But saying also like, is it wrong? Like, mm-hmm. I'm not sure exactly uh, what we're doing here. So, well, that nightcrawler at the end's like, I think I'm going to start my own religion mm-hmm. or whatever. And I was like, Whoa. So I'm struggling to find this yellow character, but I can't remember what his name is. Yeah. It's all right. It's, we'll not, look at it later. it's not frenzy. It's not. I don't remember. Hmm. But no, no, it's pissed me off. I gotta find it. I'll find it. You tell Alex. What do you think about the book? I uh, was pleasantly surprised. Like this book was the curiosity of what the crucible was like. Okay, I'm like someone's gonna die. Who are we killing off? I actually thought it was gonna be we're bringing Sabretooth up. We're still mad at him for being a dick bag. We're gonna kill him off. Or were they gonna find out that Mystique had stuff going on? Right. And I thought, oh, maybe we're, maybe we're not being told something. And then to find out that it's to prove that you deserve to be reborn and you get to go to that final battle with uh, Apocalypse. So is there, at the expectation, what happens if you win? Like, if you beat Apocalypse, is there ever an end game? Is that is that why he has chosen to fight is for the Warlock. fact that... Warlock. Mm-hmm. Yes, okay. Mm-hmm. How'd you find him? What'd you type in? damn good. Damn. You are cyborg with team. <laughs> so uh, I, uh, I doubt you could be Apocalypse though, with no mutant powers. Yeah, I suppose human. she's brought down to being a human. They're all brought down at to this point in time. You're anybody who wants to become an X Men again has to go through the Crucible. Anybody who is part of Wanda's million that got depowered, oh, they okay. just can't. They like, still have the X genes, so they can live on Krakoa, but they can't. But they're not. They're they not don't have any yet. powers. They and an Apocalypse them. said, "You were taking your power. The powers were taken from you. Okay. Prove to me you deserve them back." I see. Okay. So, like, those are the people who go through the Crucible. Everybody else, I think, if they die, they just bring them back. They're not. They're not to prove anything, right? Because everybody have powers and they're already sacrificing their lives. But these humans don't do anything like that because they don't have any powers. Okay. So he's saying, if you so want it, maybe that's what I had. Come mis- at me. I had misread. Was that? I thought, why are they not using? No, the that's what they're talking about. Wanda they don't have it. Yeah. And that they're talking about Wanda's because she had taken their powers Ooh. away. Don't say that to me. Pretender. Pretender. It was amazing. And to see her, her, her family watching her get the shit kicked out of her, and she's, and they're like, I don't want to get in there to fight. And it's like, no, this is not your place. This is not. This is how it has to be. God is good. 
It was brutal. I, I like the storytelling aspect from Hickman in this issue where, you know, he starts out, he talks about the Crucible the entire issue, but we don't find out what it is until the very end. That was pretty cool. I'm interested to see if Nightcrawler really does decide to make a church for them, to to make a, a mutant religion. But the only thing is, how do you make a religion that is not based off of other things? Well, he's witnessing it firsthand, though. You know, Scott says something in this issue. So the reason why I love this issue, Jesus, um, too much OJ. <laughs> the reason why I love this issue is that this thing that we just taken at uh, face value since the beginning of this series, that's begin- actually from the beginning of Powers X, House of X, when they go, we can bring him back. To us, it was like, cool. Cool, they can bring him back. But then this issue really uh, showed you that maybe not everybody's 100% on board with that being a good thing. And so it kind of paints the resurrections as like a gray area, being like it's not just good or bad. Some people like it, some people don't. Some people just really don't care. Like Wolverine was like, hey, you know, what are you going to do? Um, <laughs> but like, people hey, we're like- not making decisions. We're just here to live and life. But Cyclops does at one point say that he, um, what does he say? At He's, he's come to realize that at a certain point he doesn't uh, trust humans anymore to make the right decisions. And so when they're talking about whether this is right or wrong or whether or not they should be doing this, sometimes, and I, I think he was trying to say, and I, I knowing Cyclops is probably what he's thinking, um, sometimes decisions, whether or not they're good or right or moral or not, uh, for the better of the X-Men and, and the uh, mutants in general, uh, sometimes you just got to do it. And uh, I think that's what he was trying to trying to find peace with by going to Kurt, by going to Wolverine and asking this kind of questions is whether or not he thought it was right. Uh, and I think that he at the end was like, I maybe don't agree with this, but I think we should be doing this at the end uh, when he saw that when Melody was reborn as an X-Men with like she was robbed of that. That was nothing ever she did to not get that. And. Yes, she had to prove to get it back, but at the end, when you see her get those powers back and how happy she is and how happy everybody else is for her in Apocalypse, also is like respectful towards her because she's a mutant again. Um, isn't she deserving or doesn't she deserve a chance to get that back again? So I think uh, a lot of those questions, I think this issue brings up a lot of those questions, not questions on like, I'm not sure what's going on, but questions of morality, questions of whether or not this is something that uh, is necessary and whether we agree with it, like as a reader, uh, whether or not they should be doing this or not. And I think any issue that leaves you even thinking about it like that uh, is fantastic. And I think Hickman for a series that up to this point has been a lot of mystery, has been a lot of action to take an issue just to be like, slow down and be like, let's think about this. Is this right? I think is a nice call for something that, um, we're going to be getting into a lot more of these kind of questions with the stuff that they're doing, with the medicine that they're giving out and all this stuff. So, yeah. I'm, I'm curious. I like, I, I, for me, it's the, I want to know the fight schematic for the fact that apocalypse could have killed her right away. Yeah. She puts up a good fight. Are you sure though? But he, beat, but he, he doesn't I, even use the sword to beat her. Well, he starts out with one blow and she gets knocked over. Then she gets back up again. Then he goes a little harder, and then a little harder, and then like as hard as he can. Well, I don't know how hard as he well, can, as I, but hard enough, enough that she she dies. But and I mean, so, he he backhands her once. So you see blood spewing out of her face, out of her mouth. Right. And he goes, "Do you do you want to keep going? We got healers who can heal you, but there will be no respect after this." 
Well, it's, it's all on Apocalypse's discretion. I mean, he'll know when someone deserves He'll be able to tell them. I don't know. There's a part of me that I just... And maybe that's the point. He elevates it enough to go, okay, I'm giving you the opportunity to either back I don't think out he just heal. wants to kill her right away. I mean, because, he wants her to prove that she wants this. Well, because so if he kills the whole, her, they're going to bring her back. Like, the, the goal is for her is to die. Yeah. That's not the goal for him. It's not to kill her. The goal is to bring her so close to death that she fears it and says, I give up. I don't want to die. And he wants to bring a mutant back that's not afraid of dying like that. No, I So that's what she has to that. prove is that she's not afraid to die. He's going to keep going until he kills her. Okay. So I don't think he's trying to kill her at the beginning. He's just okay. trying to hurt her and be like, if you give up, we can heal you. Okay. And if you're afraid, just say you quit. So the, int- I mean, the intention is, but he is intending to kill her. But if it's she wants immune. it. Yeah. It's if you want to be a mutant, this is what But he has to, to bring her but. to a point where she has to decide whether or not she wants it or she's afraid to mm. and that she can just give up. She doesn't want anybody to be a mutant that's ready to just give up and die. Okay. Right. I don't know. If you or watch, not get up and die, if but you get up Wolverine, and like, he gets make the it, shit get to him all the time. Not get up and die, but like not make the hard choice like that. Yeah. Like it, it, I mean, no, I don't care if they're fucking bringing me back, dude. Dying is going to be scary. Well, I was going to say, it's going to hurt. I mean, this isn't a painless I mean, thing. Is it you... really even you? Like you're, right. they're downloading your consciousness into another body. Well, that's what Nightcrawler asks. He goes, in, in my religion, if I die, I go to another plane. I go to another life. I keep getting brought back. Is the other me who's dead gone up to heaven? How many times have I gone to heaven? I mean, th- this is a very, very philosoph- philosoph- There's a lot of thought process going into this book. Philosophical. Hey, what, 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 I got it. what other book was it? Remember we saw, I talked about clones for a long time? <laughs> oh, Vision. Was it Vision? I don't know. I don't know. We talked about clones for a long time at one point, and uh, now we're talking about clones again. Not clones, really, but I mean, yeah, I guess. Well, essentially, It's yeah. still you. This issue was a 10, huge yeah. 10, high 10, 11 if I could give it. This is fantastic. I actually think it's out of the start of the X-Men, and I actually said this was the last issue, but I think this issue is my favorite. No. I I still give, excuse me, 4, 6, and 7 are even playing field. They all were perfect in their own way. That's true. I forgot about those issues. It's been strong. I'm actually excited to see. Is Aerith Hickman? I think. Uh, um, I think like the the miniseries for some reason it felt like such a lot at once that you kind of think that he laid all the cards on the table and was like, "Well, that's really everything set up." And now we're kind of eased back, and the next X Men books are just going to be a little bit at a time. But then we get issues like uh, four, five, six, like you said, and it really does push a lot of it forward to be like, okay. Um, we're not going to slow down. It's just a different. Now the uh, storytelling is in this book and other books, but uh, all those questions we had, whether or not, or what are they doing and what's the council really doing is really in this book. So I'm excited to see where it goes. Nice. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I'm so excited. Like, I think part of I'm so excited that I'm getting all the X-Men books still. And not even because they all really tie together. Yeah, they, they reference each other. They may go, oh, yeah, remember why I'm here and not in that book? Blah, 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 blah. Uh, X-Men right now is probably at the top tier of greatness. Just the fact that, like you said, we made, we thought we were getting all the cards laid on the field when we did the first Powers of X and House of X. To know that Jonathan Hickman has put this much effort into thinking, what can I, what can, what, what would these characters be going through? What would they be laying down? What would, the choices that they would have to make that no human would ever think to make because we never have that choice. We don't get to be resurrected. Great. Um, there we go. Another X-Men book that came out is called Giant Sized. 
X-Men uh, number one, Jean Grey and Emma Frost. Uh, giant size X-Men, Jean Grey and Emma Frost. Um, they have stated they're making these giant size issues to be more uh, um, s- character issues, to be more about specific characters. So in this issue, obviously, we get Jean Grey and Emma Frost. Uh, we get a story at the beginning where um, Storm from uh, an issue past where she was fighting the children. Uh, what's the children of Adam? Issue five of the capsule. What, what are the children called? Dick bags. That's what <laughs> I call them. I don't know. Children I don't, or something. I don't remember what they were. Children uh, of the corn. Children of men? No. That's children of I don't know. Uh, Robo kids. Anyways, we saw that in a prior issue that she got fucked up. Uh, so these kids are playing around, uh, which this part has dialogue. And then they find Storm. They say Storm. And uh, they're Jean Grey and Emma Frost are tasked with sorry about that, are tasked with uh, going to find her and see like what's wrong with her because she obviously is unconscious and won't like come back. Uh, from that point on, it's a silent issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have Wolverine and uh, uh, Cyclops. Uh, Jean is saying goodbye to them. Uh, Cyclops uh, holding his hand and uh, Wolverine holding her hand, holding her hand, <laughs> and uh, Wolverine getting a little smooch. Uh, we had to discuss actually before this uh, episode started that we did like that they actually drew them how they, uh, Russell Dodderman, the person from the art, uh, Dodderman and Hickman. I forget. I think I forgot to say that. Written by Jonathan Hickman and art by Russell Dodderman. Um, he actually drew them proportionally how they're supposed to be drawn. Stocky, uh, short Mr. Wolverine and tall, thin Mr. Slim. Cyclops. Slim. slim. He's called Slim for a reason. Not because he likes Slim Jims. Break into one. Uh... But they go over there. It's a nice, uh, fantastic art issue. Uh, Dodderman at top of his game, as we know him from the uh, Thor issues that he did in the in years past. Uh, but an issue of Gene and uh, Emma going into Storm's mind and trying to figure out what is wrong with her. I do like that a lot of the issue, even though there's not uh, dialogue, uh, there is words like when they're in her mind and they're asking like, are we friends? And, and Gene shows that they're friends. And then Emma says, no, we're not fucking friends. <laughs> and so uh, her... Uh, I didn't imagine that it wasn't that we're friends. It was like the last time that that uh, Storm would have seen her was duking it out with her. Like, yeah, you're a It bitch. says friends. When Before Jean shows her them being friends, <laughs> oh, really? she writes friends. Okay. Uh, but it's like backwards because she's like, it's showing you from her perspective seeing it. Uh, so it says friends. And then Emma just shows them fighting. So. As I saw the friends and I saw like the help me's or save me or well, that's what Storm subconscious is like. Are you friends? Yeah. And Jean's like, yes, friends. Okay. And Emma's like, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> and so what was uh, what animals were they? When lions. They lions turned into snakes and a battle ensued. But then they uh, finally got that under control. I like that their their powers. So they're in her mind. They're in Storm's mind. But there are other secondary powers. So you got telepathy that they both have. But then they have your the diamond skin that Emma Frost has and telekinesis that Jean has. They also get to use their other mutant power. Right. Which will be more physical based. But I suppose in a mental mindset, you could still use your powers because it's all set by what you... See? Friends. Yep, I saw that. But I didn't see... That. I saw just the duking it out between Storm and Emma. I didn't see enemies or anything. No, no, yeah. But, but what's I suppose that? that fighting, you know, who gives a shit? Whatever. Well, she said, hey, y'all were friends when they show them hugging and the, the lines are smiling. And then the line's like, what about you fucking? And she's like, I don't know. She's like, I don't know. We fucking fought. <laughs> Turn it to 
Uh, yeah, so Diamond and then Telekinesis fights the <laughs> the uh, snakes. Did you like that scene? Uh, no, I did not like that. And then they fly off on an elephant with butterfly wings. That was awesome. <laughs> which actually, which is really funny that um, I'm bringing this issue, now once again, watching the Harley Quinn uh, show. I just got done with an issue where they went into Harley Quinn's mind. So a lot of this stuff is actually, uh, well, this is serious, obviously. <laughs> and the Harley Quinn was not so serious. But just the way that you can play with what's going on in your mind, obviously. So none of it's actually concrete. It's very abstract, abstract kind of world. The elephant with the butterflies actually reminds me of that. Um, they go meet Storm at the tree. And uh, they climb up the tree. And they get up there. And you can see them using their powers. They finally get to an egg. They break it open, and there's a flower, and they pull Storm from that, and she looks at them, and part of her face fucking just melts, melts off, off, and it shows a robot, uh, which is from the children. Uh, you know, what the fuck are they called? The Children of the Vault. That's what it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you see that there's a count on her head, 29, 23, 55, 46, and Storm just says, save me uh, with electricity, and falls back uh, down on the floor. And they come back, and Jean goes, the children of the vault gave Storm a machine virus. It's going to kill her in the next 30 days, so we ought to talk. And the issue ends. But I thought, for a visual storytelling issue, I thought it was fantastic. Uh, From uh, a story standpoint, because I thought the giant ones would just be like these random stories, it actually does fit into telling more of the narrative that Jonathan Hickman's setting up. Um, I thought it was a great issue. Well, and it works because, yeah, you have this that issue seven about the Crucible, and then we're like, well, what's going on with the Children of the Vault storyline? And this to make sure that it doesn't just, like, go away. And to tell it's it in a way where, where you're like, I'm going to bring these two to go into her mind, and it makes sense because, obviously, they're telepaths. So, And uh, I just thought, art-wise, fantastic choice to bring Dodderman on. Uh, but story-wise, like you said, it furthers the story about the Children of the Vault. So, like... Everything does seem at a good pace so far in every single one of these X Men books. So, mm-hmm. it made it. I read this issue, so the this the fight that took place with Storm was in issue five of X Men, and so there was not that there's confusion, but it's one of those things I need. I needed to remind myself that not all the X Men books necessarily take place at the same time. So I was I, I love this issue. I actually like this idea. I, mean, I think Jonathan Hickman's doing all five of the giant he size. Is, yeah. Nice. Hey, uh, you guys got them physically, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Were they? Was it bigger? I guess I no. didn't know, but in all honesty, oh, no, I got with, mine digitally. Mine. Oh. And I looked; it was thirty-five pages. With there being size-wise. No. Oh. No. It was just an issue. Regular size. And, but it's not oversized either. No. Let's go giant size. Call back to it being giant size. Yeah, but I think it actually was giant size. Maybe there was. I didn't. I guess I didn't get a giant size. I got a regular issue size. Hmm. I'd rather be giant sized. I want giant size comic books. Same price. You know what? Actually, speaking about reading it digitally, uh, I was at Best Buy not recently, but recently enough. Um, <laughs> I mean, like I wasn't like last week, but within the last month, um, and I finally saw one of those iPad Pros that are like huge. It's like the what is it, 12, 14 inches, something like that. Um, fuck, dude. If I could just read comics on that shit, I mean, first off, I could kill somebody with that. It's so big. Uh, it's not really that heavy though. It's just uh big, mm-hmm. um, size of a magazine probably. And so I was just thinking, like, if I could read my comic book on that, perfect, perfect. Actually, it's not bad reading on an iPad. iPad's oh. fine. 
Don't worry, six grand and it's all yours. <laughs> I know it is a lot of money. And I was like, Is really? it six grand? No, it's yeah, like it's probably it's a, three or four. Though. I'm gonna look it up right now. Not three or four grand. Okay, this maybe. was uh, uh, it's like it's gonna be a pretty penny though. I'm gonna save for this one for me, and I know I've been getting a lot of these out tonight, but this be is close a 10 to for a me too. Uh, I'd give this one an eight. I don't think I enjoyed it as much as you guys did. Um, I get what was going on in the story. Um, I do hate mutants. I don't hate mutants. He hates these mutants. But I was really hoping to get more into about like Jean Grey and Emma Frost's relationship with one another. And it was more like that was the focus. The focus was them going to find Storm. 1150. In their mindscape. Mm. So I don't know. For me, it was like it was a cool silent issue. And like I get what was going on. But, you know, I was just kind of hoping for more character development for Jean and Emma, if that's their name on the comic. But I mean, in a way, it kind of. I mean,. In a way, it's not really them uh, changing as characters in this issue, but it them establish themselves about who they are. Like Emma doesn't obviously hasn't changed who she is. She's not going to lie and say they're friends uh, just to get past those lions. She was like, "Well, we're not fucking friends," mm-hmm. and just showing the arrogance and showing that Emma doesn't need to change who she is for anybody, even if it means like she's not going to lie to somebody to be like, "Oh, yeah, we're friends." Um, and seeing Jean be very caring and like wanting to help her, but then at the end, when Emma really needs to, she still comes through for the X Men. Yeah, which is still we always have that question whether or not she's on their side or not. And even though she's a uh, an asshole, she's not uh against them. So well, that's one of the things that I I think it, <laughs> this was an issue of needing to get to know these characters because I don't think anything was going to change. Uh, but it was showing that they're still on the same side, even if your your beliefs were different. I'm going to give this a 9. I actually really enjoyed this issue. Art was amazing. I would say if you're reading the X-Men series and you think this is sign material you don't need to get, I, th- I say get it. I would say it's not only uh, adding to the story of what's happening in the main X-Men book, but it's fantastic to look at. The art's, art's fantastic. So the next issue would be Nightcrawler. Oh, boy. See, there we go. Maybe they're religion. Yeah, maybe they're religion. He's going to make yeah. his... Make his uh, I'm, I'm super excited for the X-Men books. They've been fantastic, uh, especially the main one and uh, now this uh, giant size one, anything that Hickman's writing. Um, been fantastic. What was that other book that we liked from the X-Men one? Marauders is good. New Marauders. New Mutants. New Mutants was good. X-Force is good. Oh, X-Force. Asshole Beast. Yeah. He's coming I think Hellions is coming out. He's coming for them. I don't know Did if... Did you guys get Wolverines? Wolverine number Wolverine. one? Mm-hmm. I haven't, I haven't yeah. read it. Mm. I saw a spoiler. Don't say anything. I think it's the same spoiler that you and I may have seen, though. Huh. Uh, maybe not. Don't confirm or deny. Yep. Anyway, uh, I'm excited for all these. New, there's other books coming out that are coming out in the next like month or two. I, uh, seen... I don't know if I'm excited for that. I mean, that's Hellions, a lot of side issues. Wild Child. Like, I get it. X-Men's the biggest thing right now, and you don't have to buy them all. But... Oh, they just announced the X-Men uh, event happening in July. Yeah, I know. I saw that. What was it called? X-Sword? X... Something like that. Something like that. I, uh, my only... Hickman's right at that, so I'm going to get it. Curiosity is going to be, I don't know if Fallen Angels is still coming out. It didn't come... It's behind. <laughs> it Jesus. Didn't, it didn't come out in March. I don't think it's coming out in March. Yeah, I see, I knew this was going to happen. All the X-Men books are out of order. Like, that they're coming out now. Eh. That's fine. Oh, I mean, it's how much do they really... They don't connect that much. Except for these two. Generally. Except if you're reading X Force three, what did you read about Wolverine? X Men two, huh? What spoiler did you read about Wolverine? I'm not telling you. You tell me, and I don't have to tell you if I if it's what I know. Omega Red, Omega Red. Oh, that's it, huh? That's not what I know. Okay, 
Uh, there we go. Uh, John says X-Men number one, X-Men number seven. Uh, well, uh, Jonathan Hickman writes both of them, the uh, giant size by Ross's Ottoman, the art, and the uh, X-Men number one, uh, art by Lowell Francis. You, Detective Comics number 1020, Brad Walker and Peter Tomasi. And then we also have Batman Curse of the White Knight number seven uh, from the Sean Murphy brothers. So there you go. Um, I hope at the end of the night, people are like, oh, there's Murphy brothers. I like, to, I like to believe there's someone listening to the podcast being like, yeah, there's two of them. <laughs> They're mom native of the same thing, Sean and Sean. <laughs> Sean They're twins. Murphy and Sean. Would you do that? Ever? No. <laughs> no, no what if you named it Sean, S-E-A-N, and then Sean, S-H-A-W-N? Ooh, like that would be like naming my son Gary and Gary with one R and one with or two Sean R's. with the H for That'd a boy, and then Sean with the Sean with a E A N for a girl. Yeah. Sean and Sean. Those are comics taking out this week. Make sure to, like I said, RainbowComicsAndCards.com and your place uh, destination for all things comic books. Uh, no feature tonight. It's a nice, nice length. Uh, show anyways and a lot of good talk about those books a lot of fantastic books uh once i saw they were all uh pretty fantastic i was like i don't even work on a feature we'll talk about those for a while uh wednesday comic 605 at gmail.com that's the email address 605-215-1849 is the phone number so you can call and get our secretary and she'll uh, let you leave a voice message uh anchor.fm is the website to go to or just go to wednesdaycomics.com click on Leave us a message if you want to leave us a message, but also there you can find links to subscribe to the show. And we do ask that you please uh, spread the word about the Wednesday comics uh, to your friends or anybody that you think might be interested in this comic book world. Uh, visit our sponsors, please. Roots of the Swamp Thing.com, definitive source for all things swamp uh, thing. Uh, Facebook.com slash Roots of the Swamp Thing. Or at DC World Swampy uh, is the Twitter handle. Speaking of uh, Twitter, right there, we got Garat2188. He's on Twitter. And Alex Mastrello and Marvin underscore Sock. Where I'll find us all on Wednesday Comics at Wednesday Comics on Twitter. Uh, go to Rainbow Comics and Cards, like I said earlier, for your comic book needs. Uh, make sure to also follow them on Facebook and uh, Twitter, both their Lincoln and Sioux Falls handles. Uh, we got a book club. Wednesday Comics League of Extraordinary Gentle People proudly presents A Study in Emerald, written by Neil Gaiman with art by Raphael Albuquerque. There you go. Uh, coming up on the first week of April, we will talk about that book, A Study of Emerald, uh, currently on the Hoopla, if you'd like to uh, read it or get it from your local library, or the aforementioned uh, Room Comics and Cards Uh Nice show today, boys. Mm-hmm. Like I said, we had the window open. It was nice. And uh, you know what? Today didn't die of uh, no, overheating. No, the draft's coming in perfect. It is. Yeah. So that's that, like, it's like getting the Windows icon in the middle of a wallpaper. What a perfect. Perfectly hit the corner. We got four great books. We got a great week, week of comics coming up. Mm-hmm. We got a great week of weather coming up. The draft is coming in. You know what? Perfect. Perfect, perfect. Everything's perfect. looking up. Yes. Everything's is. looking up for the WC. That is APGWMS. Uh, for Wednesday Comics, I've been Marvin. I'm Alex. I'm Garrett. Hey, everyone. Keep turning those pages. Mm-hmm.